Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, Matt Baker joins us now. There's a pretty big game down the road that he will be at this Saturday. Alabama comes to the Swamp, and that is a big game. We'll tell you how big it is, and we'll get into that in just a minute. First, let's talk about last week's college football games and some of the issues surrounding these teams. Matt, you were at uh, Florida and USF. Not much of a contest on the field, of course. We didn't expect USF to put up a ton of height, although they did a little bit in the second half. So just your thoughts about that game, and then also, when it comes to USF, we have to talk about the Big 12 and the expansion, but just just tell me what your observations were from the Florida-South Florida game. Oh, thanks for having me on. We were just talking before we hit record. I could go on for three hours. There's a lot going on this week. We'll, yep. get, we'll get to the debacle in FSU, which I think is maybe <laughs> the most interesting thing. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, let's start with, yeah, USF-Florida. Um, the, th- the main thing that jumped out to me is Anthony Richardson is still really, really good at football. Yeah, he is. It, was, it wasn't a one-week thing <laughs> against FAU. He is a dude. And yep. it's going to be very interesting to see how thing, how, how Mullen continues to handle this situation. You know, I asked him after the game if, if Emory was still the starter. Because, you know, after Florida Atlantic, he said, obviously, Emory is still our starter. So I asked him, okay, is that still the case? And he got a little prickly about it. Um, and I've tried to kind of sort through in my head and think about why. And I don't have a good answer yet. Um, at least this w- – one other kind of thing on this quarterback. I'm, I'm going to be all over the place. Forgive me. Um, but with Anthony Richardson and, and, and Emory Jones, what's interesting to me is how very different Mullen is handling this quarterback situation than how USF is handling it. Mm-hmm. Jeff Scott's thing with the Bulls – and this is the way it was at Clemson too – he wants it to be so obvious when he's when he makes this guy's our starting quarterback for the year. He wants it to be so obvious his, his wife knows, everybody in the stadium knows. Oh, that's your guy. And, and USF does not have that yet between Cade Ford and and, um, and Timmy McLean. We'll see what happens this week with them against Florida A and M. Um, Mullen is in a different situation because everybody in that stadium, all sixty five thousand human beings and empty chairs at Ray J, knew that Anthony Richardson's the better player. It, it's obvious. It jumps. It's you know, it's obvious. But Mullen's still saying it's not. He's you know, Emory's still the guy. And, and finally, we got a little bit of clarity this week, just in terms of Anthony's doing just the spectacular plays. But um, I asked Mullen, give us an example of a read that he's not making or something like that. And he said, well, there's one against FAU where he missed a protection call, missed the first read, misses the hot read, ends up scrambling, makes has a nice play, and everyone thinks, oh, it's a spectacular play. Well, he missed three or four different things in there. Okay, so th- finally we get some sort of like concrete thing. This is what Mullen's talking about, where Anthony Richardson was good enough and is good enough to do that against FAU and USF. Maybe he's not good enough to do that against Bama and Kentucky and, and Georgia and that sort of thing. So that's the type of thing where, where they're going. But the, you know, the main takeaway from, from Saturday is just Anthony Richardson's really, really good. Florida's back in. They're, they're, uh, the secondary has some issues, and 
Uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit with the, with the AMBA discussion, but uh, and, and USF's just got a long ways to go. It's a, it's a since we're on the quarterbacks with Florida, let's let's stay there for a second because it's a coaching situation, right? It's, it's they see these guys every day in practice. They know what the play call is. Um, he mentions protection, where if you don't check the right one, you could absolutely uh, get hit, lose a fumble. All kinds of bad things can happen, especially against the better program like Alabama. But by the same token, I mean I. You're right. 65,000 people and anybody else who cared to watch around the country knows, you know, who the better quarterback is. And yet, if the goal is to win a national championship game, and I realize they, they got to prepare like it's right now. It's not – we're not playing Alabama in, you know, seven, eight weeks. we we got to play them on Saturday. But if the goal is to win a national championship, I, I mean, Emory Jones is not – in my opinion, he's not going to be the guy that wins you that title. You know, you, you have a quarterback that can do it and, and you want to spoon feed him, which may or may not cost you the Alabama game. I don't know. But I I just I just don't see how a guy that makes that many plays and such and again it's a small sample size, but that's even more impressive that he's played so little and has done so much in that short window. You are correct. Let me run this by you though. Alabama's Look, I did, I did my annual rankings of, of the games um, in the preseason, ranked every game in the state. I had Florida-Bama at one. You could argue it's not the biggest game of the year for this team. Um, and, and look at who they got coming up. Tennessee next week. Tennessee sucks. At Kentucky, that's a tricky game. Um, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll kind of see. But um, the, the big game is Georgia. If they beat Georgia, even if they lose to Alabama, they're going to be they're gonna fine. They're going to see them they're again. Gonna be, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they're going to be in the position to, to, to win the SEC East and—, and for all we yep. know, play Bama again in Atlanta. So I think that's part of why this is happening. Um, it's it's a long season. There's you know, it, it's a long season. This is not the end all be all Alabama game. Um, they hope they get another crack at them in Atlanta, and that would be the end all be all Alabama game. Um, Mullins talked in the past. There's a risk to playing, you know, throwing a quarterback in too early. You know, giving him more than he can chew before he's yeah. ready. And yeah. I think there's probably some of that as well. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I just wonder, look, what Anthony Richardson is doing is not sustainable, right? It's, it's not. He's not going to score a touchdown every other time he, he touches the ball. That, spoiler, no. Um, so we're looking at a small sample size and trying to extrapolate. And if, if he, did, he did that over a course of a game, maybe he'd get exposed a little bit. Um, the, the, right. And again, against better competition where, and you know, I think I found the play Mullen was talking about. And there was a linebacker who was was unblocked because the protection didn't, wasn't wasn't quite right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Anthony Richardson can scoot away from that because he's a great athlete. Could he scoot away from that if it's a Bama player doing it? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Certainly not against some of the, you know, the Georgia linebackers who are all over the place. So yeah. I think that's just kind of where they are right now. Is it's and, and then also Mullen's a, devel- a developmental guy where this type of thing takes time. He's trying to just look at the short term and the long term. So I think that's why you get this situation where everybody in the stadium knows Anthony Richardson's really, really good, but Mullen's just not quite ready yet. And, and also, let, shoot, let's see what's happened Saturday, right? Like, if Anthony Richardson's healthy and Emory struggles, how soon do we see a switch? Or do we see a switch? I think he's got to play. Um, I think if he has success, he's probably going to keep playing. And it would all depend on what the game situation is, you know, to your point. I mean, what can he handle? How does he react against the better competition? Um, 
you know, they'll prepare. I mean, it's hard to prepare two quarterbacks. I know that. You only have so many hours in a week. So I've, I've got to guess that Emory Jones is taking the majority of the snaps and preparing to start. Um, Richardson will probably have some packages to come in and make plays. I I just think by the end of the year, Richardson's going to be their quarterback. And if they're going to win the SEC and they're going to go and beat Georgia, it's probably going to be with that guy behind center. But we'll see. Um, that's a very big game. We'll go ahead and stay there since you'll be headed up to Gainesville for the Alabama-Florida game. How good is Alabama? Do we know yet? I think I know enough to know that they're really darn good. Yeah. Um, I mean, is this one is this as good a, a Nick Saban team as he's had in the past? He lost a, a number of players, obviously, to the NFL as he does every year. I'm not ready to say that because you know it's two games. They they, they beat the heck out of Mercer. Hey, good job. Um, yeah. They they beat Miami handily. Miami almost lost to App State, so I don't know how good Miami is. Right. Um, I but I do know enough to say Alabama is really good. Um, sure. Are are they as good as last year? I don't know. Um, last year. I think we're going to look back on that Bama team as a one of the best ever. And I agree. I, I hate hyperboles like that. Um, and there's maybe sort of some recency bias, but look, it, you know, they had a, a first round quarterback who was, uh, you know, I think it had the highest passing efficiency in the history of college football. You had the best running back in the country. You had the best player in the country and also best receiver in Devontae Smith. You had the best interior lineman in Landon Dickerson. You had the best um, overall Lineman and Alex Leatherwood. Um, I'm sure I'm missing something. Also, you have Nick Saban, the offensive coordinator, is now the head coach at Texas. On and on and on and on. They went undefeated during COVID. That's remarkable. That, that's mm. you know, that's just absolutely remarkable. And and the way they destroyed Ohio State was was remarkable as well. So I don't know that they're going to be or that they are currently as good as last year, but they are at least one of the two top teams in the country that them in Georgia. Um, I, yeah. I have Georgia one. I understand the other argument too. Yeah. And Florida's not as Florida doesn't look to me as good as they were last year. Um, right. Some of it is the competition. So, you know, they've done really well, but I'm holding a little bit back. Uh, then again, the Gators have been a little bit vanilla and intentionally. So, cause they were saving stuff for Bama. Um, I just have questions about the Gators secondary in particular. There were plays FAU and USF could have made, and some that they did make um, in, in the passing game, that uh, if those issues pop up, be that penalties, blown coverages, um, th- that sort of thing, Bama's going to have a field day. They're, they're just going to run wild. Um, and, and I still, you know, Florida doesn't have the offensive skill the way they did with Tony and, and, and Pitts last year. I haven't, you know, Copeland had a really nice game on Saturday, but I haven't seen him make the quite the same leap yet. So, yeah, it's it's a tough matchup for for Florida. Um, I think Florida's gotten better in some ways, um, but they don't have just the high end talent. And if it's a track meet, I don't know that they're going to be able to keep up. This is, uh, you know, one of those rare games. I mean, you, you you know, the hype is certainly warranted here. I think, and and I, you know, there's been a lot of great games at the Swamp back when Florida State obviously was a national contender and Florida was a national contender. I remember those games. Um, there, you, you sort of rank them. I mean, where is this the biggest game, uh, in, in, or, or where does it rank in your, uh, as you looked at it as games at at the swamp? It is the big. You know, I, I've been in this role since 2015 was my first season. It is the biggest right. game that I will have seen in the swamp. Um, okay. I, I feel confident in that. I, I talked with our buddy Joey Knight to kind of okay, what help me out here? Give me some that are pre me 
pre my my memory because I, I you know I'm not going to remember all of it. Um, Joey argued that when they played Tennessee in 2001, that was a game that got moved to later in the season because of the the 9/11 terror attacks. That was a huge one um, for the SEC East, and everybody thought winner of that would play for the national title. Um, they played Miami in 2002. Miami, you know, the 01 Miami team, arguably the best collection of talent ever. And that was early in the, the Ron Zook era, so people still had optimism before that kind of collapsed. Um, I would say those two are bigger than this, just because, look, I mean, Bama's a, what are they, a 15-point favorite. Mm. It's, it's not quite a top-10 matchup. If yeah. the Gators can find a way to win, it will be the biggest win they've had at home in a long time. Um, but you know, as we sit here today, I expect Bama to win by you know, double digits. And so that's kind of holding me back in terms of putting it higher. But it's at least one of the couple biggest games in the last two decades at the Swamp. Fair enough. I, I, I'm excited for it. It's going to be a, a great game to watch. And hopefully Florida can stay competitive in that one and uh, and. And, and live up to that. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. All right, let's uh, let's go a little down the panhandle to Tallahassee. Goodness gracious, uh, Mike Norvell, you <sighs> gave us all such hope when you took Notre Dame to overtime. And here comes Jacksonville State. You're one play away, and yes, you lay the egg and, and lose to, to that team. Credit Jacksonville State. I'm not going to diminish their win. But my, oh my, um, you wrote about this, uh, Matt, that <laughs> – Things are not going any better for Norvell than they really did for Willie Taggart, to be honest with you. In some ways, they're worse. Um, you know, the main question I was seeing fans asking Sunday and some degree Monday, how was this any different than Willie? So I was like, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the main difference, there, there's a lot. One is COVID. Uh, Norvell lost an offseason. And, mm-hmm. and obviously, I mean, his first season was messed up with COVID. That's a thing that happened. I don't know how you factor that into your perception of Norvell, but it's a thing that happened. You have to include that in, in how you look at this. But things are worse. You know, he uh, Willie got fired after going nine and twelve. Norvell has to go six and four to get to nine and twelve. Mm. I don't think that's going to happen, Rick. I really don't. Um, Norvell has recruited the recruiting rankings have not been where they were with Willie, but he also inherited a program that was in worse shape, right? Like you, I'm not saying you have to grade him on a curve, but you have to consider that uh, the, the job he was recruiting for was, was not what it was when Willie was there. Um, He also, Norvell has a top 10 class right now that has some difference makers. You know, Travis Hunter is the number two player in the country and one of the highest cornerback recruits of this modern recruiting era. Um, they got AJ Duffy, a top 100 player um, in, in the nation. It's a quarterback from IMG. If you can keep those and keep a cl- class that looks like it's in the top 10, top 12, that's something you can build on. Um, but we'll see after Saturday whether that that type of stuff holds. Um, as I as I watched it. 
one one of the things that 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 Doom really taggered was how predictable a lot of it was. Um, there, there were there were major issues and blunders and errors and penalties that again, my wife can see. Anybody in the stands can see when FSU failed to line up on punts correctly and got called for penalties under Willie. Again, lining up on a punt. I don't know how many uh, calls I've ever seen in my life of somebody lining up incorrectly on a punt, but Florida State did it under Willie. Um, you, you think about when Willie iced his own kicker at Wake Forest in the rain, which was kind of the point of no return. That type of stuff. Those, those things that anybody watching football who knows anything about the game could say, uh, is that a good idea? Up until Saturday, we hadn't really seen that with Norvell, I don't think. But Saturday, there, there were some issues, um, particularly at the end of the game. Were they in the right type of defense? Should they have been in more of a prevent? Um, there, there are serious questions about how they use personnel with, with putting Lawrence Toafili in there more when he hadn't been as effective as Jay Sean Corbin at running back. So there were just some really easy things to second guess. And when you start having those type of issues, and also you're not winning, and not only are you not winning, you just had the worst loss in program history. There's serious questions about where this stuff is going. And as they enter Wake Forest, I have serious, serious questions about where they're going. Well, they, they need wins. There's no doubt about that. They're 0-2. Um, that's certainly a surprise when one of those is Jacksonville State. So um, you look at that schedule and the way things have gone, you wonder, you know, beginning of the season I said, well, maybe six six wins maybe outside chance of seven, but boy, all of a sudden, that's a dark place. How, let's talk about their quarterbacks because, you know, they have two quarterbacks as well. And Mackenzie Milton started this game against Jacksonville State, finished the one against Notre Dame. So how is the way they're handling him and, and Jordan Travis different than, say, Florida situation? There's there's um, health issues to consider with, with Mackenzie and Jordan um, that kind of, you know, that, that's, that's part of the equation. Um, what, what's interesting is with – with FSU is Jordan Travis and Mackenzie Milton are just very different. Um, Jordan is a very good runner and um, the way he, his athletic ability opens up holes for the other guys, but he's not as good of a passer downfield. Um, Mackenzie Milton, I think adds more of a, a passing attack. Uh, their problem is FSU doesn't have good receivers. I mean, it's, it's mind boggling mm. as I, as I think about all this stuff. And again, I could talk about this, this FSU program for an hour. I have, I have lots of thoughts, right? Um, as we, as I look at that FSU program, they don't have guys that get open. They don't have a Rashad Green running over, the, you know, r- running over the middle. They don't have a Kelvin Benjamin who can go up and high point it. They don't have a Nick O'Leary at tight end. They don't have a Tamori and Terry who can streak down the field. They don't have the types of game-breaking receivers we've seen from FSU in recent memory, and that's a problem. Um, so, okay, whose problem is it? Well, some of it goes back to Willie Taggart. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, the 2018, his transition recruiting class, for one reason or another, and we can point the figure, finger whatever way you want, almost all those guys are gone. That's a problem. Uh, his 2019 class, his first real, only full class he had at Florida State, Willie did, um, he did not sign an off, he did not bring in an offensive skill player from high school. He signed one who, who went the baseball route instead. That's a problem. So, so you factor in two kind of classes that, from this perspective, to add nothing, that's that's an issue, and it would explain why FSU doesn't have guys who can get open. But Mike Norvell's had a long enough time to, to fix this and then brought in some transfers who haven't made a big difference yet. So 
that, that's why as I'm trying to look at this this program and this this un, inexcusable, unacceptable mess where they are. I mean, this I would think this is you know Saturday was rock bottom. Um, it there's a lot of blame to go around, and some of it goes to the the former guy, and some of it goes to the to the new guy as well. And I mean, shoot, let's let's talk about the the elephant here. I mean, let's talk hot seat, right? That's um, yeah. Willie got fired. Willie got fired in year two, and it's reasonable to ask the questions uh, about Norvell with where they are right now. Um, my feeling is this: FSU does not want to fire Mike Norvell. They don't. Um, they don't want to pay him to go away. You know, by, by my math, they still owe uh, Willie Taggart three and a half million through the next for the next two seasons, as in twenty two and twenty three. And if they fired Norvell at the end of this year, they would owe him $16 million over four years. That's a lot of money for a program that doesn't have a lot of money. Plus, they're paying, they'd have to pay $4 million, $5 million for a new coach, whatever it is. They don't want to do that. And I go back, Rick, to what David Coburn, the AD, said when they fired Willie Taggart. You know, he came in for his press conference the next day and said, it was very somber. And he, and he said, I had to fire a friend yesterday had to fire a friend yesterday had to mm, mm. there was nothing that willie did that showed real progress recruiting was starting to, to crumble recruits had figured it out yeah. uh, the organization was not there the general disarray on the field in the department that had not gotten better on the field the results had not gotten better there was nothing that willie i think could point to to say yes this is tangibly better and i can prove it I think Norvell, as, as the Knowles go into uh, the rest of the season here, he needs something to point to. And you can say, this is how things are better. Maybe it's just the way the, organi- you know, the organization inside the program is run. Although that's hard to see on Saturday. Maybe it's a big win over Miami, over uh, North Carolina State, whatever it is. Maybe it's uh, you know winning three of the last four or something like that. Maybe it's holding that recruiting class in the top 10 or top 12. He needs something he can point to, so to, to give FSU a reason to keep him, because otherwise things are going to get really. You know, Andrea Adelson from ESPN used the word uncomfortable, and I, and I like that. Things would get really, really uncomfortable with how things are going. Well, here's here's what is also a problem because Norvell was a pretty good coach at Memphis, or at least had success there, right? And and at the time, yep. looked like a good hire because of his resume, because of what. It, he accomplished, albeit at Memphis. All right. Well, how much damage has the Florida State brand suffered now under the last two regimes in that is that is that a destination program for any aspiring young head coach, or is it just are you gonna get somebody who's trying to, you know, get back into the fray that maybe had to take a step down to a mid major? I mean, I don't know how how much damage Florida State's brand has has absorbed and whether they can whether they could really – I know there's always a coach out there, right? There's always a guy that yep. will take it on. But, man, it's not, it's not, like, it's not like you're going to go out – you're going to have success landing the, the biggest fish. <laughs> Bob Stoops, Deion yeah, Sanders. Yeah, there it is. Um, there it is. <laughs> yeah, Deion Sanders, yeah. I, I've already seen – the message boards are already have thoughts, Rick. Um, oh, my gosh. I, I, think you're, I think you're exactly right, though. The, the program has taken serious hits. Um, one – Bad year with Jimbo. Everybody has a bad year. You know, the only recession-proof program is Ohio State. 
you know, Willie Taggart didn't work out. Well, every every program has a hire that doesn't work out. That that happens. Alabama mm. missed him, guys. It, mm. it happens. Mm. <clears throat> now mm. you start talking about if this continues to go south or if this doesn't turn around, let's say it that way. Then yeah. you start talking about three different coaches have had issues. Okay, that that's not a coach issue. That, that's, a, that's a program issue. So what are the yeah. issues? Yeah. Um, and how would I, a great coach, why would I want to go there? And two, let's say they did fire Norvell after this year. Let's just go down this road. Yeah. So they had a just this awkward, awful divorce with Jimbo. Then they fire a coach after two years, and they fire another coach after two years. What makes me think I would want to go there? And, right. and even if they give Norvell three years, um, I think everybody realistically realized the Knowles worry. Right? With, with, with Willie, he said it was a realignment, not a rebuild, and he was wrong. Um, let's face it, he was wrong. With Norvell, I think everybody knew it was a rebuild and would take time. So let's say you only give him three years. As a coach, how attractive is that to me? Where they're going to be on a fourth different coach in six seasons or seven seasons, whatever it is. So, like, th- there's a lot of factors that they have to kind of think about there. And, like I said, the money. Like, let's not overlook the money here. Yeah. Where they had, you know, a year ago or so around this time, they had to do some furloughs and, and layoffs, and, and Norvell took a pay cut because of the pandemic. And they were in bad shape before they fired Willie. Then they had to fire Willie or pay him. Seventeen, eighteen million dollars to go away, whatever it ended up being, and then you factor in a sixteen million dollar buyout on top of it, in addition to more troubles because of the pandemic. Like, it, money has to come from somewhere, and that just makes it a lot harder to see to see things going to, to see a dismissal, um, and, and to see things turning around. The buyouts are certainly a, an issue. It's it's not something that can be ignored. There's no question about that. And Florida State has laid out their financial issues uh, in the past that you've written about as well. Uh, before I let you go, some other thoughts about college football. Uh, USC fired their head coach, Clay Elton. I mean, kind of a weird time to do it, I guess. But uh, buyouts, speaking of buyouts, that, that factored in there as well. If they'd have done it before the season, it might have been a different story. Uh, is that still a program that's going to get a, attract a, a big name, you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. USC is still USC. Yeah. Uh, they, it, in a normal world, they are the premier school, the premier program out west. Um, right. There's a lot of players in California, one of the top four states uh, mm. in terms of producing players. They still have history. Yeah, USC is still a name. Um, so, you know, you, you think about who would be in that mix. Um, Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, you know, his... Sure. Old boss at Cincinnati is now the AD at USC. Um, you think about James Franklin at Penn State. You know, last year I think we'll look back on as as a fluke for for Penn State and where they were. Um, so maybe this is a time where he's like, you know, I'm ready for a change of scenery. Um, you think about Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Does he want to? How long does he want to be in a Big Twelve that's going to be weaker? Um, you know, Bob Stoops again. I don't see it. Some people somewhat jokingly suggest Urban Meyer. No, I don't see it. So, but well, those are the types of, of, of names that you kind of think about with, with, with USC. And one more from the NFL, Eric Bieniemy apparently is somebody that uh, USC might have an interest in. And that would be, that's one of the programs he would forego an NFL head coaching job for apparently. Or so what's, what's, in, what's interesting there is, you know, th- there are some NFL guys that would, that would conceivably make sense. Like if Matt rule decides Carolina is not, where he sure. wants to be, he wants to get back in college. Yeah, I mean USC would be a great spot. 
Um, I, I, somebody threw in, in the state of Florida threw out Byron Leftwich as a, a name for mm-hmm. USC. Um, I'll let you chew on that one. Um, <laughs> but the, the problem is for an NFL coach to take a college job, be it assistant or, or, or head coach, for, for them to do that, the timing is really tough because you'd want somebody in place basically December 1st, if not earlier, for, for the college job. So you can have them ready for a couple of weeks before the early yeah. signing period. Yeah. So are you you're asking somebody to pull a Bobby Petrino in Atlanta mm-hmm. and leave his NFL team in the middle of the season? Yeah, that's and tough. And that's very very hard to see, particularly if it's a a, a team like the Chiefs or, or the Bucks in this hypothetical that right. are probably right. pushing for a playoff spot. Yeah, it's a great point. Uh, it is difficult to do it uh, with the timing and all of that. Couple other games uh, from la- one more uh, from last week. I just want to get your thoughts quickly on uh, Ohio State falling to Oregon. Suddenly, the Pac-12 looks like it might be a player in the national championship. Yeah, what surprised me there is Oregon didn't have a couple of their best players, and, and Flo, the, the linebacker, and Kevon uh, Thibodeau, the, the defensive end, who's you know, probably the number one pick, and they still came out and, and beat them. Um, what Mario Cristobal is doing at Oregon is working. With, with kind of the more SEC style big physical lines, bringing that to 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 out out west, and and, it, and he's doing a fantastic job with it. And you know, as we kind of look going forward, I, Oregon's in the playoff mix. They are very very much in this playoff picture, and and um, they can probably afford a loss and, and have a chance to to get in. And Ohio State's not out of it, but it's they just got a lot tougher road and. I think it's good for college football that somebody outside the the usual suspects is at least going to be, it looks like now at least, going to be relevant going down the stretch. And, and you know, Oregon's still a household name, so that so that's nice. But at least it's somebody different than Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, yeah. Oklahoma. Well, they certainly can control uh, some of that. By winning in the in the uh, in the Pac-12, there's no question. Big game finally. Uh, I think this one it might be the ESPN game. I'm not sure. Auburn's at Penn State. Uh, I saw Penn State. I'm not overly impressed with them. They beat a very pedestrian Wisconsin team on the road uh, in Week One. How good is Auburn? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They, they beat Akron sixty to ten and Alabama State sixty-two to zero. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. better than losing. But <laughs> it's true. I, Ask I Florida State. Any, yeah, yeah, I don't have any strong opinions about Auburn. I mean, yeah. Bo Nix has been, you know, we'll see what he is, if he's kind of regresses to the Bo Nix that we're used to seeing, or if maybe he's taken a step under Brian Harson. I just, I don't have a read on him. I'm not going to pretend yeah. that I do. Um, yeah. I, like I said, I think Penn State, your, your point is fair, um, that they haven't been like world beaters or anything, but... I, I I do feel confident saying that I think last year's losing season with the Nittany Lions was an aberration. That was a 2020 fluke kind of thing, and Penn State's in a lot better place. Is that a lot better place able to beat what should at least be a good Auburn team? We'll see. Well, um, it's going to be an exciting week in, in Gainesville, certainly. And Matt Baker will be there to bring you the Alabama and Florida game. Check him out on TampaBay.com and in the Tampa Bay Times. Matt, thanks so much. Always great. Sure. Thanks, Rick.
really fun to, to know there's going to be a big game like that in Gainesville, Alabama at Florida. Can't wait for that one. Uh, we've got the Bucks continuing their preparations, of course, for the Atlanta Falcons. That game is on Sunday at 4 p.m. Remember, it's a 4 p.m. start, so bring your uh, ponchos, folks. That's usually when we get the big thunderstorms. We'll have a chance to talk today to Tom Brady, get you ready for that one. And the Rays are off. They begin to uh, host a series against the Detroit Tigers. They'll be in for the weekend, so uh, we'll, we'll look forward to that as well. So my thanks to Matt Baker again. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.